Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you are here on My Turning Point. And I know I've said we have a special episode a lot lately, but uh, we've had some great guests on here. And this week, dude, this one's just mind-blowing. Got to speak with Angus Young, Brian Johnson, and Cliff Williams, who you may recognize their names as being part of ACDC, the greatest freaking arena band that ever lived. I spoke with Angus, Brian, and Cliff about the new album, Power Up, about their influences, about a ton of stuff. Dude, this was just a freaking blast. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Now we can switch it up a little bit. Today is uh, today is music video release day. You know, yeah. it, it's for you guys who've done this for a long time and had a lot of success. Is there still that adrenaline rush that comes when the new video comes out or when there's something new that gets shared with the world? Yeah, you still get a big kick out of it. Yeah, it's it's good because, you know, uh, we, we've held it back for so long and we've lived with all of these uh, songs and, it, and it's good now, you know, people can, can hear them in all their glory and, and go, you know, and hopefully, you know, you get, uh, you know, a positive results. So, that's the, 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 you know, it's a bit unknown, you know, but, yeah, you get a rush out of it. But that's such an interesting thing, too, because social media makes it, it's funny, you say it's a bit of an unknown, but now, if you choose to go onto social media, 10 damn minutes after the video comes out, you can see what 868,000 people around the world are saying about it, which is obviously not always the best thing for sanity, but, you know... <laughs> The unknown element is kind of gone now. I'll, I'll read them all, those 800 and something. Uh, <laughs> what are we standing at, Pete? Pete's going to take a look right now. I know when we started this, uh, just at the half time there, it was uh, 800,000, and I think now it's 1.1. Wow, okay, you know, what's funny is I was joking about the 868,000, but apparently... <laughs> There's a man with statistics on his mind. <laughs> That's me. But now it's so interesting, by the way, because I don't even know if we got to this last time. You say you've been living with these songs for a long time. When, At what point did you guys finish recording the album? We were pretty much... Uh, that was in uh, Vancouver, around... <laughs> August 2016 is really when, when the, you know, we kicked off and that was about seven weeks or so that we'd been involved in the actual process of laying the tracks down and getting, getting them all the way we wanted. So, uh, and then it was really down to a case of, a, you know, a, a few weeks of, uh, you know, doing the mixing side of it. So, you yeah. Yeah, I, I, the whole project was over and done with, I would say, in you know, about two and a half months if you add in all the mixing and, and, and time, so, yeah. Wow, and you say 2016, is that right? Did I hear you correct? Yeah, that's right. It, 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 I don't know. Uh, uh, 2018. I'm going back to that tour, you know? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm flying for a couple of years. <laughs> uh, talking about statistics, it's now at one point four. <laughs> <laughs> Since we started talking. <laughs> but what I want to know is, are you going to read all of the comments, every one of the comments? <laughs> That's no, 
I was gonna, I, I, like I said, I don't recommend that for sanity, but you know, it's really interesting because I think one of the things that as we're talking about this, that's really cool. All right. So you finished this in 2018, right? So not 2016, but still it was finished two years ago. You know, it's a really interesting thing because I grew up in an era where there was an idea. And I was just talking with Maynard from Tool about this, growing up in the time when there was a mystique that was attached to music. So I love the fact that you were able to keep the reunion secret for essentially two yeah. years. I think that's awesome. So what was, what was the key to keeping it secret for two years? Yeah, well, we, we all agreed, you know, to be hush. Yeah, and we've done that in the past, you know, you, you, you keep it tight. Till it till it's out there in the in the public, yeah. and that's always been pretty much the approach of the band. Yeah. Yeah. Was like sitting on a fucking bronco for two years and not saying anything. And, uh, yeah. and, the, and the last year we couldn't anyway because it was you know it's like this this year's just been nuts. So well, what you know best is to say nothing because we could, not like we could get out there. You know. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, though, too, because it's funny. So the record was finished in 2018. I was just talking about this this morning with Jim James from My Morning Jacket, and and we were doing an interview, and we were talking about the fact, you know, for some artists, there's been the idea of holding music. Then for other artists, like you guys are label mates with Springsteen, who just put out his album, which was done in October of last year. So it's been interesting to see how people decide to release music or not to release music. So for you guys... Was it just a matter of like, all right, we've had a record done for two years. We're just fucking excited yeah. to get it out there. So even if we can't tour for it right now, we're just going to share it. Yeah. Well, we had it pretty much, you know, at the beginning of the year, the beginning of this year, we were planning. That was really the plan. We were going to get it out earlier. And uh, so, you know, we had worked on a lot of, uh, you know, the promotional side of it. So, and we'd also done, uh, you know, promotion. We'd also actually been doing rehearsals, playing, because Brian was dealing with his, you know, he wanted to make, you know, he, how it was going to, uh, you know, come together if we were going to do any stage, uh, uh, if we were going to do any staging. Uh, he wanted to, to see if, you know, that was at all possible. So we, we had actually been geared up. We had done promotion stuff, shot a video. Uh, and, uh, you know, with the record company, everything, you know, they were going to put together all their plans, how they, how they were going to promote it and everything. And so uh, the plan was to go earlier with the, with the album. And then uh, it was a case of we were rehearsing and, uh, and, and, as I said, and done promo stuff. And then we had a, a, a quick break. All gone, you know, our, our, you know, like into our own home spaces. And uh, then, then this um, pandemic thing sprung up out of nowhere. And that, uh, not just us, it was the whole world a big uh, curve, curve, yeah. So that set that plan apart because no one from that point on, no nobody knew when uh, you know if well what was happening in those early stages of that. So everything was put on hold until there was such time that it was possible to uh, you know release release the album. Yeah. But we were hoping, as I said, we 
pre-pandemic, as I, as I can say. Uh, we, were, we were hoping we, we could have got it out uh, earlier. Well... It's funny because I mean it's it's you know I think BC takes on a new meaning now 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 it's uh, before COVID but so it's interesting for you guys then what was the timeline then where you decided that you know what okay we don't know when we're going to be able to tour this record we're not sure but screw it we're putting it out anyway because some artists have decided to hold music until they think they can tour but you guys decided fuck it we're putting it out anyway yeah well, you know, I think you know I think we're talking before about it and. <laughs> I think we all agree that uh, you know the, the record company really decides on it. But I'm proud of I'm happy of what they did because I think they just want to end the misery, you know, that's been hanging over the world. This pall of you know uncertainty, not not knowing what's happening. You know, they give something you know uh, something positive to the world. You know, and I don't want to sound like some politician but honestly I think it's just good to sit to, to bring out something that just changes the you know changes the the, the, the state of play you know uh, because it's been pretty yeah, put, a, put a smile put a yeah. smile on people's faces for God's sake you know so it was like it was just where Hank was talking about we were getting together and rehearsing and shot the video that was last January so you know we've been sitting on it for a bit I guess Yep. Sony, they, they were ready to release it, and uh, it seems to be a good time, as you're saying, John. Uh, yeah, something up, for God's sake, after a year of damn uncertainty and, uh, and scared, you know, like just awful stuff with this pandemic. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because you say you don't want to sound like a politician, but I've talked about this with so many artists, and, you know, music is a healing thing, and rock and roll especially can be and there's so many people who've been waiting and hoping for this reunion so do you feel like a new acdc album then takes on a little bit more of a place for people who are look i mean whether we're talking about the fires in australia the fires in california we're talking about brexit we're talking about not to get heavy but i mean dude the world's a pretty fucked place in 2020 in a lot of respects so i, I think when you have like just a, an album that comes from a place of pure rock and roll, do you feel like it's even more of a, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess what, go back for a second for each of you guys. I'm curious when you were kids, everyone has that album that makes them feel better. That album that when no one seems to get you, when you are just like having the shittiest day, that album that makes you feel better. So uh, going around the table and Cliff, if we want to start with you, each of you, what was that one album when you guys were kids that you could just put on every time and it made you feel better? Well, it was probably, for me, it was probably, I can't, I can't remember, it was probably a Beatles album or something. Okay. Was there one song then in particular that just was that feel-good one every time you heard it? I used to love Paperback Rider. I love that guitar and that thing. Nice. Such a great song. You can never go wrong with that. Uh, Brian and Angus, what about for you guys? That one record that when you guys were kids, that just no matter what, put a smile on your face, or when you came home after school, that was the record you wanted to hear. Well, I know Malcolm liked paper, what, you, what Cliff just said, Paperback Rider. Malcolm was a big fan of that, especially with the guitar intro we had. He got that off Pat when he'd been playing the guitar. Um, for me, I probably, you know, when you said healing before, I'm thinking back probably there was a little Richard uh, live 
album did it. Uh, and I always remember there's little Richard, one of his little raps before the songs, he's going, but my music is the healing music. It make the deaf hear and the, you know, the, the deaf and dumb, deaf and dumb rise up and hear and talk, you know. And uh, he did it in his voice, of course, you know. And uh, I always loved his, you know, he had some great raps between songs, man. You know, like when he would do, you, man. And band would go, boom, and you, boom, and you, boom, uh, not you. <laughs> <laughs> so you know this this great stuff yeah? and uh, for me Little Richard was probably the most I, I love the energy and still to this day I mean if I want to hear rock and roll and, and that, that energy and you know songs that pack a punch is Little Richard even when he did that, you know, years later when he did a, 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 a thing for a movie, Beverly Hills, Down and Out, and he did this uh, great, great song, Great Gosh and Mighty. From when I, it was my, one of my older brothers at the time had said to me, I mean, he listened to radio, you know, and, and music and everything. He'd heard the Beatles and everything, but he came in one day and he just said to me, have you heard that track by Little Richard? He said, it just takes you back. And he was so excited about hearing Little Richard again on the radio singing that track, you know, Great Gosh Almighty. Yeah. And that's, you know, he, he, he always gave me that warm feeling. You know, you, you could put Little Richard on and an earthquake going on and I'd be happy. Oh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that energy, that personality. That was a dude who just he he yeah, he just loved life or came across that way at least. Brian, what's yours? Uh, what Angus just said. <laughs> I was just gonna say a little Richard. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Uh, it was uh, it was the first song that made me my jaw drop and just go, what, what the fuck is that? I really didn't know what it was. It was just, it just changed my life as soon as I heard it. And I wanted to sing like them all my life. <laughs> and of course, nobody can sing like Little Richard. That's right. And that's it. At the end of the story. But now, for you guys then, this is interesting. If you guys were, like you say, nobody can sing like Little Richard. But now, just for fun, if you guys were going to cover one Little Richard song, what would it be? Tutti Fruity. If I could, if I ever could. The track I always liked was probably the first one when I was a kid. Because my sister had banged on, you know, you keep a knock on me, but you can't come in that track, you keep a knock on yeah, that when I heard that, and I love it, and I loved it all the way through. And the bit I loved the most of it was towards the end, where he actually does. He goes, "You keep on knocking, but you can't." He goes from high to low. And he does this kind of wiggle on it that really stood out in the song. Piece of magic. 
See, that's so interesting because I like the fact that we can tie this in because one of the things that we did not get to talk about last time is, you know, when I listen to the new album, when I listen to Power Up, but even going back through, you know, to Back in Black and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, there is there's a consistent blues theme that runs through the music and maybe it's not always, you know, it's not as apparent, obvious Robert Johnson blues, but you hear that sort of Bo Diddley backbeat a little bit. So for you guys, do you feel like that was, you know, and that ties in nicely with Little Richard. So is that something that you feel like when you listen back to it has always come through the music or something that you've noticed in there as well? Yeah, I've always, you know, and my brother Malcolm was the same. And, we always strive, it's that energy of it. You get that energy, and that's what we always try to inject in the music, in the, in the ACDC music. We always wanted that excitement traveling through your, through your tracks. Especially when you were doing an up-tempo track, you, you want that, that energy, that, that, that drive, you know. So, but it's interesting for you guys then, because it's funny, because as artists, right, I talk about this with people all the time, you always want to do your best work, but as an artist, you're always striving to do something more. You're always, as an artist, you always have more to do. Otherwise, what's the point of going on? So for you guys, are there tracks, or even on Power Up, where you feel that energy that most, that jolt, or when you feel that, like, when you feel the spirit of Little Richard coming through? Yeah, yeah well, I think with it, with with us, you know, or myself, it's you, you do the one thing, you're excited until the next thing didn't count. So the next thing, it leads you to the next thing in your life. You, you get prompt. It's almost like you, I don't know, maybe, we, 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 maybe we're selfish. We're just never satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> but that's every artist in the history of the world. That's what I'm saying. Is any artist ever satisfied? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Maybe you, you've hit it on the nail. Maybe they're never satisfied. Well, we can blame that. We can blame that Stone songs for that. I can't get no <laughs> well, let me ask you because you guys have toured with a lot of artists. Have been around a lot of artists. Have you ever met an artist that's satisfied? That was satisfied. No, uh, I don't know. No, I don't think there is any that I could really. Think of. I think most artists would, you know, would always be looking for the next. Well, the ones who had the passion for it. If you got the passion for it, you're looking for the next thing that you do. So, for you guys, when you go back and listen to Power Up, for all of you, what is that next yeah. thing that you hear on this record? What is that thing that you feel like when you guys hear this, and you know, as as being artists who are your own worst critics, that you feel that moment where you're like, okay, this is something that because the way I put it right when you're an artist and you're never satisfied but what you do is you hit upon these moments that you're excited by and those are sort of the building blocks for what's going yeah. forward so so are there yeah. building blocks for you guys on power up yeah I don't know when I hear it I feel what Angus just said uh, satisfaction uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a great piece of work from uh, start to finish uh, I don't think anything's been left out. Uh, I think everybody you can, is top of their game. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just great to listen to. That's the first thing you've got to remember. And, it's, uh, and I can listen to the songs again and again, you know, for me. Yeah, and as the album was coming together, it's like 
each track, you know, you do uh, you do go from one track to to the next, and it's just it's exciting to hear it coming together, and that boosts you and that pushes you forward. So, and we talked about this last time, but I mean, unfortunately, you guys couldn't really hear me. So, you know, in the hypothetical in 2022 or 2023 or whatever the hell it is that you guys are finally able to tour for this. But, okay, wait, before I ask you about the songs you're most excited to play live, this comes back to what I was asking last time about the stage production and the show. Are there songs like, because look, ACDC, when it comes to the stage show, is it's like Alice Cooper. It's like Iron Maiden to an extent, although ACDC is more so. But that, that show that people come to expect, that whole production so for you guys as you're going through these songs do you think of the visuals of things you can do whether it's the inflatable woman on whole lot of rosie the cannons coming rolling on stage for those about to rock like do, do these songs take on a visual element for you as well when you're doing them or rehearsing them i would think so yeah it's a lot of cases you know so maybe this time we'll use two inflatables. <laughs> we get two roses instead of one. <laughs> Look, I brought a sister. Yeah. <laughs> and we can throw in a, a demon and a witch as well. <laughs> yeah, mate, yeah. <laughs> so wait, what's Rosie's sister's name? Give me an exclusive here. I don't know who you go. So for you guys, though, are there particular songs on here, uh, you know, and maybe it's Witch's Spell and Demon Fire that you're really, I think we talked about this last time too. For some reason, the song that jumped out at me this first listen was Through the Mists of Time. So are there ones for you guys that really stand out or when you think to bring them to the stage or when you think about, you know, because look, as we talked about too, you guys can do a song. You can do an album in Vancouver. You guys are having fun doing it. But when you're playing to 50,000 fans live, those songs obviously take on an incredibly different energy. Yeah, they do. Uh, funny enough, the song I, I hear a lot, uh, in fact, it, it's the second song that is like rejection, you know, because it's the way it kind of builds and then it gets to that chorus. You know, it's got a kind of tough, almost kind of, roostery mean feel about it you know? and I think that's why I, I get off on it. I, it, 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 it it reminds me of probably even in your, your early early days of tracks like TNT and songs like that where you kind of you know you, you're creating a bigger larger than life kind of character a bit like a nasty canasta type of character you know? So sometimes those that kind of thing, you know, it's it's got a, it sounds kind of mean, but it's also got a kind of uh, musical punch to it. It's, it's got that you know, tough sound to it. Mm. What about for you guys? Any songs in particular that that really stand out, or that you are that you picture fifty thousand people screaming along to? Well, when we were doing, we were running them down in in uh, in, uh, in January. Uh, we played a lot of them live, and Demon Fire came up really well for me. Well, they, they, you know, they, they, it, it's, it, it seems to be it will be a really good uh, ripper on stage uh, as, a, as a live song. Yeah. Now, Brian, what about you? 
oh shit, there's five of them, six of them, seven of them, <laughs> eight of them, nine of them. Do you fucking get on it? Well, I haven't got fucking time. <laughs> Anyone. <laughs> so you're down to just do the whole album, start to finish? Yeah, from start to finish. I wouldn't fucking bother me one bit. You know, one of the things that's interesting too, and talk about this for you guys when you think about uh, the eventual tour, whatever that is, or or even when you did the last tour, because I've talked about this with a lot of artists as well. Look, ACDC is a band that, like the Stones, just traverses generations. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter where the fuck you grew up, you know, you could have grown up in you know, whatever, and I name the place, it doesn't matter, and your parents could have never listened to rock and roll, it doesn't matter. Somehow you still get into ACDC. So for you guys, when you're on stage, talk about that excitement of playing to audiences who have never gotten to see ACDC before and getting to introduce them to that world. And You know, for a lot of these kids too, man, it's the first time they're really seeing a big, huge rock show like that. You know, a lot of kids don't really like when you when I think back to seeing you guys at Coachella, you know, and the opening notes of Hell's Bells, you know, I mean, I was in the audience. I've been to 17 Coachellas, like I said last time that blew people's fucking minds because most of those kids didn't even know what the hell that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a kind of. um Yeah, we've been lucky because we it's that chordal thing. We get them. Somewhere in life, you know, we strike a chord with, with you know, you know, the coming generations. We've been, I don't know if it's luck or, or what, but I, I, I'll lay it down to my brother, Malcolm, used to say, you know, we, we get them before they hit the college years. So we get them when they're younger and when they, we're in the teen, teen years, he goes. And then after that, when they get to college, you know, Pink Floyd or something might happen. But we get them first. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fucking good way of putting it, That's right. That's right. And, and I always think of it, you know, they came out with Dark Side of the Moon. We're the Bright Side of the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> well said, young fella. <laughs> But it is so interesting for you guys when you, like going back, like you say, because as an artist, right, as we talked about, artists never being quite satisfied, you know, you do something, you're excited about it, you have no idea how it's going to go. But when you look back and you look back at songs like a Whether It's a Back in Black or a You Shook Me or these songs that have lived for 40 something years and will live for another 400 years unless someone kills the fucking planet, you know, like, are there, do, can you look back and, do you remember moments where you were like, okay, we're hitting something. Like we know, like when you were in the studio, did you know that you were doing something that was going to be special? Could you feel it resonating in a way differently than maybe something else you've done? Uh, uh, Brian, that was just saying that that's, that's a hard question, Lisa, because you're always, uh, going to, you're always going to the studio to do the very, very best. And you get that same spark with every song when you're trying. And it's not until afterwards when you're going, oh boy, that sounds great. I mean, you know what you're doing at the time. And, uh, you, you know, but everybody tries as hard as they can. In this band, I know that much. And everybody's expected to do it. So, and I always feel a magical little tingle. You know, uh, you know when, when you're doing something and it all comes together. Every, each and every song we've done, I've felt something special about it. So it's hard to separate them. 
you know, when it's hard to explain that, because there's no math involved. It's just all from the whatever you you know, whatever it is that you talk about. So, you know, I can't answer that. <laughs> it's a long no, but I know exactly what you're saying, because look, if you could answer it, right, then every album would sell 50 million copies, because you would know it would come, there would be the formula. But it's funny, because can you then step back for you guys, each of you guys as fans a little bit, and with some distance, and then look at it, because look, I mean, my favorite songs off Back in Black might be What Do You Do For Money, or Shoot To Thrill, which don't resonate the same, like, don't, haven't crossed over the same way that a You Shook Me All Night Long has. So can you look at a song like You Shook Me All Night Long and then from the point of view of a fan understand, okay, now I understand why every 13-year-old in the history of mankind since 1980 has, you know, wanted to lose their virginity to this song. Yeah, well, I, I, I would think that, uh, you know, when you, when you hear, you know, somewhere in, you know, like an album, a good album, you know, there's those tracks that stand out, and each one's had. I've heard lots of people pick from any album we've done. They've all got different tracks that they think, oh, that song, that song really took, you know, for them that was the exciting song. And then other ones would say, oh, you know, I, I heard this, that album by you, and that, that, that track is the one that really stood out for me, that meant something to. So it is a hard thing to pick, yeah. Um, but when I've been in a studio, you know, I've done different things in, in studios. Even when we did Back in Black, I had a book on a little stand that I was, you know, in between, you know, if we were doing tracks or, a, 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 you know, down moment, I, I was reading a book, you know. So, you know, it's, it's just the, as you're doing it, you, we, we, it's hard to, to guess what comes off because you're you're in that here and now space as you're doing it, and so you, you, that's what you, you you focus on. So you you don't really, especially when you're in a studio, you, 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 your mind's continually you know going ticking, and uh, if you got the odd moment for for a breather or something, yeah. You know, you, you you might go outside, but you you always come back to okay, okay we've got that track down. Then you know that the, the, the challenge is is we've got to get the next one to live up to it, and it builds on that. Brian will tell you, or Cliff will tell you, or, or anyone will tell you. It's usually the track you kick off of sets the tempo. You know, the, the, yeah. and how the whole album is going to be. So if you get a killer, you know, you get a killer first track and you go, hey, that now we've got to do, get that next one. And that sets the pace. Yeah. yeah. And, and when we did, say, an album like Back in Black, it was the, the first track we got down was the, the title track, Back in Black. It was so solid all together. Everything was there. We, you know... Got, got, got everything. All we had to do was get the performance for that track, get it down, and once we were happy with that performance and the sound of it all, it, it, that set the pace for the next track, which was, you know, was uh, basically, you know, setting us up to do, you know, uh, shoot the thrill. 
cool. We'll make these last two questions, but I, I definitely, you know, I don't want to just focus on the past. So since you mentioned the fact that it's, you know, the first track that sort of sets the foundation, what was the first track recorded yep. for Power Up? Was there one track early on that set the foundation for this record? Realize set the vision. That was the goal. I have to realize, yeah, that set the face. So you've got it. The next song that you do, you've got to have that. It's got to have that same, uh, you know, it's got to stand up, you know, just as powerful as, you know, realize. And then the next one after that has to be, you know, you've got shot in the dark. And then after that, you've got mist of time. So the, the day... They're, they're different in their own spaces. If you listen to them as individual pieces, yeah, they're in. You know, they've all got the strength in their own spaces. But you, but you set the tempo. You know, the style, the pace. And you've got the. You, you you kind of put that like a watermark on something. You go well. That tracks good, good as you as you hear it back straight away, just on its basic track. And the next one's got to be the, have the same feel. It's got to hit you and go, yeah, this feels good. It feels right. Cool. Last question for each of you. We can make it a one-word answer. But, you know, the last time we spoke, which was hard to hear, but uh, we were talking about... Um, you know, a piece I had just done with Eddie Van Halen, who just passed, obviously. And we're talking about the fact, you know, him talking about, um, you know, Down Payment Blues and how much he loved that song. And, you know, he talked about doing the co-headlining tour. So for each of you guys, I'm curious, is there one artist that you would love to tour with just because it's someone who's like a peer or a friend or obviously just because for you guys it would be fun and enjoyable and someone that that you know i mean i like for me as a fan i'm thinking like god how fucking cool would an acdc and stones tour be but for each of you is there that one artist that you would love to just do like the massive tour with for fun yeah well we had a great, we did actually do some tour and we did some tour dates with the stones uh, a while well around 2003, I think, right? Yeah, around that era, like just just after that era. And we've done some days where that was a big, enjoyed that very much. That was a lot of, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that, that was a good thing, you know, but there's lots of people, hey, you know, if Paul McCartney was going out, hey, I would play, yeah. <laughs> I love Paul McCartney when he does his rock and roll stuff, um, you know, because he, he does a, a little Richard bit too, you know. Yeah. So I love that bit, you know? Well, I like it because then, by the way, you guys could actually back him up on Paperback Writer for Cliff and Malcolm. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll be there. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to do this again. Hear me, son. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, anything you guys want to add I didn't ask you about? Uh, no, Jeff. Just to say, you know, hey, enjoy doing the, the interview with you and, uh, you know, tell everyone, you know, you know, tune into that power up. It'll take away the relief. Alright, you guys, thank you so much for this was awesome. Now when I go back and listen to it, I'm gonna be listening for the tutti fruity moment in there. All right, cool, you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. 
Hey, this is Steve Vaulton. You've been here on My Turning Point with ACDC. Thanks. Why choose proven quality sleep from Sleep Number? Because our Sleep Number 360 smart bed is really smart. It senses your movement and automatically adjusts to help keep you both comfortable. Plus, it's temperature balancing so you stay cool. It's even smart enough to know exactly how long, how well, and when you slept. And to help you get almost 30 minutes more restful sleep per night. Sleep Number takes care of the science. All you have to do is sleep. And now, during our Memorial Day sale, save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed Queen now only $19.99. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. When it comes to LASIK, Dr. Boutros and the Eye Center have led the way for the past 25 years. Today, this tradition continues by being one of the few practices in the country to offer you iDesign 2.0, using the same technology as the NASA James Webb Telescope. And in the hands of an elite surgeon like Dr. Boutros, more patients are seeing 20-20 or better after LASIK. Right now, enjoy 20% off iLASIK with iDesign. Go to theeyecenter.com or call 888-844-2020. Some restrictions apply. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.